Good morning. Bom dia. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's so good thing here again. Huh? So yeah, when when we are invited again, uh, it seems yeah, <laughs> it's kind of oh okay. <laughs> so it yeah, is very good. It's a cold day again. I thought that it would be nice and warm, but yeah. All right. So I am a missionary, right? Last time I was here, I gave my uh, testimony and, and I shared about my um, life story and my call and missions. So do you think it's going to be different? <laughs> so missionary, when, when a, a missionary is invited to preach, it's time to, hey, wake up, let's go. Yeah, so this we go again. Okay, so... As, as we are in this series, and the, the whole month of August, we are celebrating women, right? How special is that? That's very special. So, uh, Pastor Valdir, uh, just he told me this week, yeah, it's, it's women's, but you are preaching for the whole congregation, so be sure to include the men. Okay? Yeah? So, not for any reason, I chose the text that is about a woman. <laughs> okay, so, but it's for all of us. God's word is always for all of us. And my, my theme, my, my, like the, the title of my message, it's kind of as humble as we are. Making the world a better place. Yeah? It's kind of a scary, huh? When you think about... Oh, I need to think about how I'm going to make the world a better place. Because I live in it. I'm here. And I want to live in a better place. And as we... Think about all what is going on around us. We turn the TV and it's got depressing. You go to the social media, it's even worse. If there's so much evil around us, so much war and accusations and all kinds of nonsense all around. I'm kind of thinking, sometimes I, I say something to people and then it's kind of that question mark. Does it, I'm quite sure that I'm, I'm saying the right thing. I'm thinking in the right way. My mind, God, this, this, is, this is right. But everything comes against saying, no, what you think is right is no, it's not necessarily right. Right or wrong is relative. It's according to what I understand of the world around me. Making this world a better place. In Genesis uh, chapter 47, verse 9. There's a, a, a verse, this verse, uh, and 
right there, yeah, Genesis 47, verse 9. Uh, this is the conversation of Jacob with Pharaoh when he, he comes to, to Egypt with all his family, oh, everybody. Joseph is there. So he comes and he's now introduced to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was, what about you? Who are you? What have you been done? You know, this conversation about getting to know Jacob. And he says this, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And they have not attained to the days of the years of the, of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. I talk a lot with my dad in Brazil. Every day I have like long conversations with my father. And there's not one day in my conversation with him that he doesn't complain about the evil of this day, that his days was better. His days was perfect. Children obeyed parents and, and obeyed authority and everything was so nice. And I said, no, we go, we are walking down the streets and the, the children, they don't respect us. They don't. And I said, father, evil is evil since then. Jacob said that. Years later, centuries later, Someone very, very a powerful man used the same verse to refer to the evil of this world. That was a very historical figure in our days. That is um, Winston Churchill. I, we, have, we have our his 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 uh, quote here. So Winston Churchill, he was uh, giving this message about the war that was coming. That, that was before the first great war. When he's speaking to people, and then he says about this evil world. He says, Feel it is written, and evil are the days of men. He's referring to the same quote the same Bible verse that Jacob said to Pharaoh. Centuries, long time after Jacob, Churchill, referring to the first great war, he says, Feel it is written, and evil are the days of men. Soon, very soon, our brief lives will be lived. Soon, very soon, we and our affairs will have passed away. And counted the generations while trampled, will trample heartlessly upon our tombs. What is the use of living if it be not to strive for noble causes, causes and to make the mud, this muddled world a better place for those who will leave it, who will leave it in it after we are gone? The next generation. Churchill facing the first great war. And then he goes through the second war too. too huh? 
He looks ahead to the next generation, to the years ahead, time ahead, life ahead. And he says, what is this about this living? If it is not to strive for noble cause and to make this muddled world a better place for those who will live after this, all of this is gone. I like, I like uh, um, how he's positive. My father, he's, sometimes I, say, I, I try to cheer him up and say, please ju just see something that is good around us. And let's try to do good. In fact, the Bible tells us to strive to do good amidst, amidst of evil things. We have to be good. We need to do good because we are called to be good. So I like Churchill's positive mind when he's facing the brutal, evil thing that was the first great war. If you have not seen, just go and watch the movies. And then, as if it was not enough, we got into the second war. That was the most unbelievable evil that put hands in our lives. Of course, I was not at that time, huh? But we know, we might, you might know people who lived on that time. It was evil, evil days. What are we going to do? Why is this important? How can we do that? How can we do good? How can we be good? when we see around so easily people are killing each other so easily harsh words even inside our houses within our families husbands to wives wives to husbands children to parents parents to children the words we speak are so impregnated with, with evil meanings because everything is absolute or, or everything is, I mean, relative. We don't know what is wrong, what is right. Why is this so important? So now it's what I want to show you in the Bible, this story of this woman, not only her story as a woman, but uh, this, this whole situation where she lived and how because of her desire and because of her decision to do good and to be good, despite of the evil thing that was around her. 
she was used by God to change the course of the time on that, on, on that situation. She was used by God to change what was coming as a devastating thing to her own family. She was used by God to spare a future king of having in his back evil. In the midst of evil, we are called to be wise. And this is what we are going to see in the life of this lady. Uh, if you have your Bible, or you, you will see the, the words there. First Samuel verse 20, uh, chapter 25. We are not uh, reading the whole chapter, though I, I would like for you to go home when you go home and just, just get your Bible and read it from verse 1 to the end. And continue to read. <laughs> and continue to read. I pray that you, you get um, passion to read your Bible every day, if you don't do that. I know so many people do. So read your Bible. So this is First uh, Samuel chapter 25. It's the story of David, Nabal, and Abigail. I like her name, Abigail. Huh? David, Nabal, and Abigail. The, the, the context of this chapter is after the death of Samuel. Samuel was this prophet, you, you, you are familiar with the story of his, of his mother, Anna, when she prayed and then God gave her a son and she uh, uh, gave back this son to God and he served in the temple and he became the, the prophet, the greatest prophet for Israel on that time. And David, uh, yeah, David was uh, anointed as a king when he was yet a, a young boy, a shepherd. He was anointed by Samuel. So David had a, a very strong relationship with Samuel. And now David in this, in this uh, time in life, he is running from Saul who wants to kill him. So he's not, he's not just coming to places. He's, he's not just like walking on the streets freely. No, no, no. He has to run. And he gets the news that Samuel is dead. Everybody gets into the town and, and mourn for, for Samuel. He is this great prophet. And now he's dead. So the whole country is mourning his death. David also. The difference is that David was not able to be there at the funeral. He stayed in the back, hidden in the bush, in the desert, in the places. He could not be there. So he's, he's grieving 
the death of his friend and mentor. This is one scene. Now let's go to the other scene. He now goes to the desert of Maon. And in this place, there's a man, a certain man in Maon, who had property there at Carmel. That it, Carmel was, was, was near where Samuel lived. Was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. Look at what it says. The Bible says about Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband, a Calibite, was surly and mean in his dealings. In, in other uh, version in King James says that he was evil. There's this woman, a beautiful, intelligent woman, a God-fearing woman, living with this man, her husband, who is described in God's word as an evil man. So things get, get very uh, um, difficult for Abigail because her husband is now kind of collecting all the prophets over the year. Huh? And David, grieving way, David, he sends his soldiers to Nabal to ask for food for his camp. And the reason is because he had been working for, for Nabal. His soldiers had guarded Nabal's shepherd in the desert. They, they, they helped them. And the, there was kind of an agreement that, okay, Nabal would pay them giving food. Now, David tells them, oh, he is now shearing the sheep. He is collecting all the profits of the year. Like, you know, like the, the harvest of the year. Go there and ask him our payment, our food. If you continue to read, you see that the, the David's man went there and Nabal refused to give. It's kind of, you go, you go to your boss, you ask for your salary, you, you, you work it the whole month, and now you, it's time for your payment, and then the, your boss says, no, why am I going to give what is mine to you? This is what Nabal tells. In verse 10, he said, who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water? Everything is mine, eh? My bread, my water, and the meat I have slaughtered for my cheeries and give it to men coming from who knows where. Everything is mine. Who? Why should I give? I even don't know David. 
So the man goes back to David, tells the answer, and look what happens. Verse 13, David said to his men, put on your swords, guys. We are going back there. Get your swords. We are going back there. And we are going to kill everyone in that family. We are going to kill all of them. This is David's reaction amidst evil. So the servants, Nabal's servants, quickly go to Abigail. It seems that she was the reasonable person in that situation. So they go to her and they uh, just explain what, what is going on. Look, our, our boss, our, our, our Lord, he did this. And now we must be prepared because David is coming to kill us. This is not good. So verse 18 says, Abigail lost no time. She was a, a woman of wisdom. She was a woman ready to act in a good way, with a good sense of mind. She was a strong woman. She lost no time. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dress, dressed sheep, five, everything. She went to, to her pantry and she started bringing down, pulling down everything. In not, not one, she's, I, I think she cleaned up her pantry. The interesting thing to me is that she was ready. That lady had been busy. She had been cook, cooking. She had been preparing all that food. 200 loaves. All the fruits, all the raisins, all the, everything she started pulling down, putting the baskets and the, 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 the workers were just loading the, the donkeys because she was ready to go and face evil. She didn't take only like bread and all the, everything. I believe she just started pulling down grace and patience and peace and love and endurance. She started pulling down everything that she had been prepared in her life. All the work that God had been done in her life, she started just bringing down, putting the basket, load the donks, and I'm going there. I'm going to meet up with David. He is the future king of Israel. Verse 23 says, When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey 
and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. To face evil, to do good with wisdom, to do good with humbleness, humility, be ready. She was quick in all her actions. First, she lost no time. Second, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David to stop David for doing evil. She told him, my Lord, let the blame be on me alone. She didn't accuse her husband, even though her words after, it, it, it implies that she knew the situation, but she didn't come. Yes, you, you, you are right. My Lord David, you, yeah, you have all, all, everything is on your side. No, she comes to him. She bows down in humility and says, let the blame be on me. I didn't see. I didn't see your men coming. I didn't know about the agreement for payment. I didn't know your men had been working for us. Let the blame be on me. David was ready for revenge. Abigail was ready to be good and to do good, not pain evil with evil. She was ready to pay evil with good. Being wise, humility, because she had that storage in her heart. She could not act out of, it's, it's just the moment. I could not handle the angry. I could not resist the temptation. She was ready. She was clothed in her beauty, with good, with love, with a Christian character, as we all should be clothed with. She was clothed with humility, with wisdom. Verse 32, Dave 
David takes her words as if it is the food that they need and the, the food he needs at that moment. She brought tons of fruit and bread and everything they needed for the hunger in their belly. But the most important thing she gave, the most beautiful food she gave him was her humility, her wisdom. And he praises the Lord for, for that. He says, verse 32, David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. Praise be to God, who has given you in my life, who has brought you in my life. There's a word for this thing. And that is word is restraint. We have there. Restraint. Abkeyo shows that she is a restrained woman. She is ready to bring peace, to call people. I thank God to bring you into my life, this David tells, because God used you to restrain me, to stop me from doing evil. Restraint. A measure. Can you go back, please? The, the restraint. Yeah. A measure or condition that keeps someone or something under control or within limits. That is powerful. Are you a person of restraint? Are you a person who is able to stop your reactions, quick reactions, in the traffic jam, when someone comes and cuts your side, are you able to restrain when your child comes to you with a bad attitude and then disciplining love, discipline, but disciplining love? Are you a person of restraint? Can you, husband, tell your wife, I thank God to bring you into my life and help me to restrain? Can you, wife, tell your husband, I thank God for your life, that he has used you to shape me, to help me, to be wise, to be clothed with humility, to show beauty in Christ's way, to
to be a person of restraint. Restraint is God's help to us not to do what we should not do. When you are on the road and something happens, that your first reaction is the person on your side, just put a hand, be restrained. Do you believe that this kind of attitude would help us to make the world a better place? That we could have more peace around us. That we could teach the young generation what is good, what pleases the Lord, how to live in God's way, even though the world around us is just growing in evil and evil and evil. I tell my father in our conversations, uh, it's not going to get any better. Because the Bible says it's going to get worse. But that it gets worse, we need to get, to get better and better. If it gets worse this side, this side we need to come with good and this good. Restraint is God's help to us not to do what we should not do. As an illustration, I want to tell about something that happened to me this week, this past week. And last time I, I was here, I shared about a friend that I had just met and how in our conversation she, she was asking herself about her purpose in life. So I have, for, for it's just, just kind of a coincidence, but it, it really happened this week that we were talking again and, and she shared something and I said, wow. This comes right as, a, as an example for what I'm going to share on Sunday. So she shared about a situation that she's facing where she lives in her uh, um, complex where, where she's living. She said, and, and she was not, she was, she was like shaking. She was like, I'm so angry. I have this, this neighbor, next door neighbor. And, and this, this little boy, 10, 19 years old boy, he doesn't go to school. And all day until late at night, he keeps throwing it. You know those tennis balls, those little balls on the wall? All day. So it's against her wall, right? So she's inside the house, her house, and all she hears is that ball all day long. And 
the fightings in the house, in the family, mom and and dad and the child, and then so it's it's a constant. And she said, "This has it's going on for weeks now, and I'm tired. I'm just like." And then she said, "The other day, I threw a ball on the wall on my wall too, because she was like, 'It's enough.'" And she said that the boy stopped for a while, but soon he was back. Guess what? She looked at me and I said, "Well, let's think about this. How about if, when you get home today, you go to your kitchen, bake some cookies or a cake?" And go to your neighbor, knock on the door, and say, "Call the boy," and says, "Hey, this is Tony. I bake some cookies for you. My name is. Nice to meet you. I am your neighbor." She looked at me and she said, "What? Really?" This was her reaction, and I said, "Remember in our conversation when you said about your purpose in life that you were trying to understand your purpose in life?" She said, "Yes, that is your mission field. Go to your neighbor, bake a cook, go there and preach the gospel. Show the gospel. Show them you care. Show this boy because he's desperate. He's not going to school." His family is a messed up family. He needs to know love. Go there. So she started laughing and she said, "I didn't see that coming. I'm a missionary. <laughs> Go and show love. It's not about revenge." It's about showing God's love, and First Peter. This is our uh, conclusion. First Peter gives us God's way. How God is helping us to restrain, to 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 be this this kind of person, to make to do good, and to make this world a better place for us. If we act. With love, First Peter chapter two verse one says, "Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by by it you may grow up in your salvation." Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, we just sang here. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good because you have given me support this month. Lord, you are good because you have given me food. Lord, you are good because you gave me this. Lord, you are good because you gave me that. Lord, I was so praying, and you are good because you you answered my prayer. 
Or can we say, Lord, you are good because you are working in me to transform my heart, to bring you into my life, to help others to find you, to make this place your kingdom like. Can we sing like that? Lord, you are good because you are helping me to get rid of myself. I used to say, after I became a Christian, and I still think about like that, I still think, I still see that when I look back in my life, before I became a Christian, before I gave my life to Christ, and I was, I was not a bad person. I was not doing reckless things around. I was just a normal person walking in life. But when I met Jesus, I saw who I was. I saw inside of me. And I used to say that Jesus didn't give me only salvation from hell. Now I can go to heaven. I'm sure. And I am sure, even if I die now, I am with Jesus. I have no doubt about that. But I know that salvation saved me from myself. from my reckless decisions, from my reactions, from my actions. Yet, continuing First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others. Each one should use whatever gift she has received to serve others. Each one should use whatever gift God has given you to serve others. To work for the good around us to give good answer to the evil things around us. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And I'll continue in verse 11. If anyone speaks, he or she should do it as one is speaking the very words of God. That is restraint. That is a way of making this terrible, evil world a better place for the next generations to come until Jesus comes back and takes everything as we know he's going to do. Until then, we work to bring God's kingdom to earth. May your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. That is the will of God for our living. Let's get prepared. Storage everything in your pantry, in your storage room. Have it done for a quick action when it's needed. Amen. May God bless you. Be grateful for the person on your side that is a, a tool, is an instrument of God to help you to grow and be a restrained person amidst evil. Amen. God bless you. Pastor. Amen. Thank you so much, my sister. What an instruction, guys. And you see, even a man like David, he was a man of God. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. And even David needed an Abigail to help him to be restrained. You know what it says? It says that we need each other. I think he would have written then, if that happened, he would have to written as well a chapter, a Psalm 20, uh, 52. Mm -hmm. So 51, it's when he comes after sinning and recognizing mm -hmm. and everything. And then he would have another Major, major, yeah. major thing yeah. to confess to the Lord. Yeah. You see? So now we're talking about changing, making your world a better place. You know how you make the world a better place? If each one of us, you can't change the world because you don't know everybody in the world, but you've, you can change your world. Eh? All of us have a footprint on this earth. And if God can use us and help us to change our world, if I change my world, you change your world, you change your world, you change your world, what happens, you know? And so who knows what difference we can make all over the earth. And God's people are busy doing it. You don't hear it in the news because the news only concentrates on bad news. But God is working, people. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord God. And we pray, Father, that everyone, those here, those watching online, those listening, Lord God, help us all, Father, to be people willing to change our world. Men, women, boys and girls, help us, Lord, to accept this challenge. Yeah, I know it's uncomfortable sometimes, Lord. And sometimes we'll have to go like that friend of my sister's. What? I don't expect to hear that. <laughs> but that is it. It's what you're calling us to do, Father. And so we thank you for the courage and ability that you give us in you to do this. We pray, Father, for a wonderful day that we can go this week into this world of ours, wherever we may be, Lord, and be your agents of change, of your love. And so now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon each one of us as we endeavor to make this world a better place in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you so much, my sister.